0: Hey there, you're listening to the Faithful Business Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Schramm, and I bring over a decade of experience owning, running, and growing Christian organizations. And in this podcast, I want to help you become a more effective leader for Christ and serve your clients and customers well. Welcome to the show. Hello, my friends. I want to welcome you in to another episode of the Faithful Business Podcast. On this episode, I'm really excited to have a new friend and a a wonderful guest who I learned lives right down the road from me here in North Carolina. His name is Leo Marte. I think that's how you say that last name, Leo Marte. And um, he was just a fantastic conversation. He's a personal CFO, a certified financial planner, and he owns Abundant Advisors right here in North Carolina. And yet he serves clients locally and across the country through his virtual advisory services. So I would highly encourage you to um, listen to this conversation. It is a fantastic conversation. He's a great brother in Christ, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Leo, thank you so much for uh, joining me on Faithful Business today. Oh, thank you for having
1: me, Steve. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and your audience.
0: Absolutely. So uh, first and foremost, just really want to know more about you, you know, give give me the Leo Marte story. You can talk about your testimony, how you came to know Christ and and how you came to do what you're doing today.
1: Of course. Yeah. So, um, you know, I I was born in a Christian home. Uh, My mom came uh, to become a believer uh, when I was still in the way. Uh, So when I when I was born, I, I was born in a in a place in a situation where you know, my mom was a believer and, you know, my, unfortunately, my parents, uh, divorced, you know, later on, uh, but it was a great opportunity for me to grow in the church environment, you know, really understanding the gospel at an early age and making my, my own profession of faith at the age of seven or eight years old. Uh, hmm. you know, as soon as I started to understand, you know, what salvation meant and what Jesus' sacrifice meant and my, and becoming aware of my own sin. Uh, you know, that was kind of like a, one of the pivotal moments in my life when I, answer the altar call and, and, you know, became convinced that I needed, uh, Jesus. So, you know, that was kind of like my origin story, uh, to begin with. And, you know, life has taken me a lot of different places since then. Uh, you know, I, I live currently in North Carolina with my family, have two beautiful kids and one on the way. Uh, so we're going to be nice. a family of five very soon cool. um, and but ever since I graduated college, I've, I've developed my career over the past, you know, 14 years or so in the financial services industry. So that's where I felt like God has been calling me to, you know, to go and use my gifts and my energy and my creativity and everything that he's given me for his glory. So that's kind of like the, the, the gist of how I came to be who I am today.
0: Man, that's fantastic. So much there. Yeah, we have um we have four kids so we have three boys and a girl and it is a yeah it, it's every everything is an event right it, it, it's so life is getting ready to be a lot more interesting for you i assure you <laughs> that the third one's tough uh, at least it's it's a it's a new dynamic right um by four you're like oh eh, you know we already had like it doesn't add that much but by the time you get you, when you add a third one it, it adds a new dynamic to things so that's that's very cool man um yeah. I, I love what you do. I've, I've actually, i I've talked to, um, others just, I have a good friend who's in a Christian and in the financial services industry. And I find it's a place, of course, we need Christians everywhere in the marketplace, uh, which I'm sure you would agree with, but this is definitely a place where, um, people, at least in my perception are just kind of living in, in, in bondage and not real sure, like, you know, what to do. Um, have you seen that sort of thing in, in your, you know, practicing and everything?
1: Yeah, I think that money is one of those issues that sort of cuts across all of us in one way or another, you know, it's one of the most spoken about topics, you know, by Jesus, you know, during his ministry, because not because of money itself, money, was just a teaching tool, uh, but, but it was a very effective teaching tool because it really is close to your heart and your heart's desires, right? So we live in a world where if you don't have access to money and capital, You know, you're going to have a very hard time fulfilling any sort of dreams and aspirations that you have. So everything that we do every day costs money and earning money is part of life. Right. So because it's sort of the fuel of the world, so to speak, uh, naturally it is something that a lot of people struggle with. Uh, you know, some people don't have a great foundation about money, uh, to sort of build a solid house on top of, and then that ends up causing, you know, different kinds of issues during their lifetime.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I've, believe it or not, I've never heard anybody else. I don't think use the terminology that money is fuel. But I myself sort of stumbled upon that um, a few months ago when I was when I was really thinking about this because I read a book by um, by Randy Alcorn. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a pretty yeah pretty well known writer. And he's written a lot on the subject of giving. And um, and, and the book that he wrote, um, I think I think the title was "Giving Is the Good Life." And I, I read it, and uh, I, I couldn't tell if I was—I don't know—I couldn't tell if I was being just convicted by it or if I was, you know, because I mean, by the time you get to the end of the book, you know, he sort of gives you the idea that yeah, like, um, money's not a money is of course not evil in itself, but at the same time, throughout the book, it was kind of like, you know, basically give away everything you have, sort of, you know, sort of idea, and I'm like, well. Um, I don't know. I, I just I just find it interesting that if you if you if you look at if you attach morality to um, to money, I mean, that just seems like a, a mistake. It, it's that's when it becomes to that's what starts to consume you versus if you just look at it as fuel for whatever you're actually trying to accomplish, be it giving to missions or changing the world or either just changing your family, you know, living, a, you know, living a, a nice you know, life for your family, and you know doing some giving along the way. Um, either way, money is is just fueled. Any other important thoughts just come to mind uh, around that that idea for you?
1: Well, as you were talking about the different things that you do with money, I think it's helpful to sort of think about a, a few references or or layers that I think people it 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 helps create a healthier perspective about money, right? so the first thing I would look at is, you know, how are you as an individual relating to money, right? So when you look at your income, when you look at your consumption, look at the things that you're doing money by yourself, right? Are those things reflective of your belief system? There's no right or wrong answer on that because we all live in different areas of the country. We all have different yes. living. We'll have different careers and jobs, but is what you're doing with your money reflective of your belief system? Then the next thing you need to do is. All right, so now after you've kind of stepped aside from yourself, what are you doing to protect your family now and tomorrow with the resources that God has given, All right? So that is providing shelter, you know, health care, uh, providing for education, you know, whatever it is that yes. you feel your family is being called to provide, right? Then you look at your, uh, your community, could be your local community, could be your church community, you know, how is your giving? habits after you've taken care of those core needs, core necessities, present and future, how are you then engaging with others to further, you know, the, the preaching of the gospel and the expansion of God's work. Uh, and then, then you go global, right? So I think it's, it's, it's all about balance and having a layered approach to what we're doing. I think it's just as much mistake to say, Hey, you should give everything you have as saying you should give nothing. Right, like there's, there's got to be a middle ground where we're balancing our core needs, our future needs, and also, you know, the the giving piece, which I think should be part of, you know, everyone's financial plan, ideally.
0: Yeah, that's that that's huge. So, so then, uh, kind of from there, um, obviously, you do financial services work. Okay, so, how do you help? support those things for, for, for others, right? Financial advising is just investment stuff or how how where do you fit in someone's financial life if you come in to help them?
1: Yeah. So my work is primarily around, you know, helping Christians who've been successful either in their careers, you know, through high earnings or, you know, have been successful savers for a very long time and have accumulated assets and helping them figure out how to manage the resources that God has given them how to transfer some of that to the next generation? How to make an impact with you know, all these uh, sort of material blessings, so to speak, right? And mm-hmm. the process is is very thorough. You know, we cover everything from their budget and their cash flow. You know, how are they managing their money nice. month to month? You know, what kinds of protections do they have in place to to make sure that that income or those assets that they've accumulated are not at risk because of the everyday happenings of life. Uh, you know, we look at also their investing portfolio and their plans for retirement. Are they going to have, you know, resources at the current rate of savings to be able to provide for themselves when they can no longer work? You know, it's a big, it's a big piece of, of what we do as advisors because after somebody has worked their entire life and accumulated these assets, there is nothing else that they can do to do this again, right? So, so everybody typically comes to an advisor worried or concerned that now they need to make this thing last until they're gone and hopefully, ideally leave something for their kids so they can bless them as well. Uh, so of course, investing is going to be a big part of what we do, but it's not everything that we do, you know, we look at taxes as well. So my practice. You know, as far as my comprehensive services, we do planning, we do investing, we do taxes, we help people with estate planning, you know, things like creating a will and having powers of attorney in place. So it's a fairly comprehensive service, um, you know, and it's not the typical, um, I guess the typical uh, advisory offer that you hear out in the street where somebody's just placing trades every day for you, buying stock, selling stock, and, you know, taking advantage of short-term swings in the market. That's not what I do. My work is really focused on comprehensive financial advisory that comes from a values perspective uh, yeah there are many colleagues in this business who do similar work to what i do but i feel like what differentiates me is uh, my faith and the value system that i bring into the planning process
0: yeah yeah that's awesome in fact that's the next question on my list so let's just talk more about that um you know because i mean there are definitely a ton of people who who do what you do now i um Uh, different people have different feelings I'm a personal finance nerd of sorts and uh, I for a while I was big on the Dave Ramsey train Uh, I still like Dave uh, but I've I've I've, I've, uh, a lot actually but I've ventured a little bit from what he teaches on in some areas and so um, I'm just curious pardon me I'm just curious like if you have if you have somebody else who's in the same line of work but they don't have that that faith perspective like one of the things that um, dave in particular likes to talk about is working with somebody who has the heart of a teacher so you know i i don't want to trust my financial assets to somebody who's basically like trust me i got this right i want to i personally want to um understand what's what's happening you know, with my money. Why is this a good idea? Why is that a a good idea? You know, I'm assuming your faith helps to inform. Well, number one, I'm assuming you take an approach kind of like that. It seems that way to me. And you can talk more about that if you want to. Number two, I'm assuming your faith sort of would play uh, a role in that. But I I really would love to know what all you would say differentiates you, you know, being in, in, in business from a faith perspective than just being another guy who does it. So
1: one thing, one term that I use to describe my work is that I am a personal CFO and for Uh, people who are perhaps not familiar with that terminology, I come from corporate America. So for the longest time, you know, uh, I've I've known that a, a CFO, a chief financial officer is the key strategist person in a CEO's table that is helping to fund and to design and create all of the initiatives that the strategist, the CEO for the company sets forth, right? So the money guy is the one that's going to tell you, well, yeah, that's possible. Uh, That's a bit of a stretch. Yes, we can get this done in this, this, and this way. So they're going to help you as a CEO, materialize your dreams and hopes. When I work with families, I find myself in that same seat with them. I don't tell my clients what to do. My clients have, have money, have title, have position and have earned it rightfully by their own effort and intelligence. So there isn't anything that I'm bringing to the table that is revolutionary. However, my understanding, my knowledge of money can help them make better decisions and can help them prioritize their spending or prioritize their investing in such a way that they get the best outcome. So. I think that it's helpful to understand that a personal CFO looks at your entire life, financially speaking, and all the tentacles that come out of your finances, whether that is your profession, your family, et cetera. Now, when I look at my, and this is how I describe my work as a Christian to people who are curious to find out what does it mean to be a Christian personal CFO, and I think number one. I don't think you should ever hire anyone as a believer. I don't think you should ever hire anyone just because they say or they profess a a faith that you share, right? right? I think it all has to begin with competence. So in my faith, you know, in our faith, we do the work as if it was unto God. So when I do my work as a professional, I believe that, because I am a Christian, I have a duty to do my work with excellence and yeah. to do my work in such a way that is reflective of my belief system. So even if my, even if the person sitting across the table from me is not a Christian or does is not necessarily what you and I would call a, a devout believer that goes to church XYZ times a year, week, month, yeah. whatever, right. Even if that is not the case, they can sense that I have a different level of professionalism quality that is just, is just over the normal that they see, And that is what I call that bar of excellence that as Christians, we need to bring to the table. Whether you're a carpenter, an electrician, a teacher, a lawyer, anyone that deals with you has to notice that there's something different about the way you do business. So that's number one. And number two, then is the way I manage and, and help people manage their money is to what end are you moving in life, right? Good best practices of financial planning are the same for every person of every faith, of every color, creed, and gender, everything, right? Live below your means, diversify your investing, minimize your risk, right? Those are, those yeah. are principles that apply to everybody. But to what end are you creating? Well, like, how are you transferring the value system that you have, your beliefs and your, your vision for the world into the next generation? Passing down money is very easy. I say that all the time. Your money is going to go to somebody at some point, even if you do nothing about it. Right. Because you're going to eventually pass and somebody's going to take what you leave behind but transferring values is a very hard thing to do because it takes intentionality and it takes time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. That's fantastic. Um so the what you told me is something that I've found as I've had these conversations with different people and it's just um the the opportunity to do ministry through business is just huge. Um it's it is an opportunity that you know unfortunately most people don't think about. I mean, most people think, oh, if I'm going to make an impact for God, I've got to go into the ministry, I've got to get in seminary, I've got to do this, that, and the other thing. And instead of realizing that, no, what they probably should do, I mean, yeah, obviously some people should go that route, but most people should probably just be the very best whatever that they are, right? The very best carpenter, the very best marketer, you know, the very best financial advisor, right? They should just do the very best and, and, and show their show that distinctiveness and they would be given a lot more opportunity probably to do ministry through business um or through their just their professional life in general so i think that's that's very helpful um in your own services do you do anything with with i'm just curious like with business or or do you mostly work with 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 families i primarily
1: look at the individual and the family to begin with uh you know i, yeah. I have clients that own businesses so we get into You know, some, some topics related to, you know, the cash flow of the business. How's the business being managed? Is the business effectively deploying its capital and it's yielding the right returns? Why, you know, uh, are we comparing those businesses to the benchmarks for their industry and for their market? So I do provide certain level of expertise around business owners, evaluating their own asset of the business. Uh, but I don't primarily work with businesses. I work with the individuals who own those businesses and families that you know are primarily, you know, corporate executives. You know, people who are in corporate America or you know, people who own businesses.
0: Very good. Yeah, that, that's that's cool. The, the main reason I asked is I uh, I love I love how um, I love the idea of the personal CFO, right? That you just mentioned. I thought that was really cool. So I wondered, um, yeah, if you if you sort of extended that into, into the business any, but yeah, that, that's really neat. So, uh I'm an entrepreneur through and through. Um I love business, I love entrepreneurship. I um I I don't I like it when people say I don't know if I can be bought, you know, I don't know if anybody could ever hire me I'm probably off the market for, forever. Um but uh it's hard. <laughs> you know, being a, being a business owner is uh you know, there are great days, there are bad days. Um and I try to look at everything with a positive outlook, but hey, you know, sometimes life gets in the way. Um and so I think I would just be curious, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a a, a negative thing. I sort of framed it that way um, unintentionally, but but what is the biggest misconception that people have about owning or or running a business? Um, you know, is there is it? I know there, entrepreneurship is cool these days, but again, it, sometimes it's not always cracked up to be. Just curious, your thoughts on that?
1: You know, I'm not sure that this is going to be a a misconception, but I it certainly. A realization that people make when they jump out into the world, you know, if you come from a place where you, you've always been on payroll, there's a certain sense of stability and predictability around your income that you don't have to think about, right? Like you stress about a lot of things when you have a job, you know, your boss, your projects, your direct reports, if you're a leader uh you know issues that you may have with technology you know all, all the all the daily woes of somebody who's employed at a big or small business yeah. but you never have to worry about your paycheck being there almost never unless your company is in serious economic yeah. you know uh, issues uh, but that, but that's not the majority of businesses that's a very small sliver of businesses i think when people set out to run their own business they don't they may not necessarily realize That there's a whole nother layer of worry that opens up when you have to create your own revenue, you have to manage your expenses and you have to create an income for yourself. You have to go out into the marketplace and position yourself as a source of value and convince other people that you can do something good for them. Uh, that is not something you need to do as an employee, as an employee, it's a given that you're coming in and out, clocking in and out, doing your tasks, doing your job and in exchange, you're getting paid for. As a business owner, you have to create your own opportunities. So people know this intellectually, but I think, especially in the early stages of building a business, they don't understand how many times you're going to be laying down in in bed and just looking at the ceiling and thinking, huh, now I have to make this work.
0: (laughs) Right. So true. Oh, especially when you have a family too. Right. It, it really, it really hits you. You know, it's one thing to take lots of risks and, and this, that, and the other, when you're, when you're by yourself or you can just go back home and live with mom and dad if you need to or whatever. But when you've got a family that you're trying to raise and support, um, man, that makes a, it makes a really huge difference. At least it of did course. for me. You know? Yes, it does. So, um, yeah, that's good. i uh, another layer of worry. I wrote that down. I think I'm going to use that from now on talking to people about this because it is right. It, it it creates so it, it creates a feeling inside of you that is well and it's even you know sometimes you um get tempted to revert back right so i um a a job like the perfect um job for me just came up at literally the perfect company that i would love to work at great salary great benefits you know all that all that good jazz too but it was like it was like man this was I, like a one, not maybe not once in a lifetime, but this company rarely ever hires. You know, people stay for a really long time, and it was like this perfect window that had opened up. And I, they, they had the application open for a week, right? And I'm old, and and I have a great business, right? I mean, I'm 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 doing my own thing. I have a great business. I mean, there's I'm not in, you know, I mean I'm not Bill Gates, but I'm also not in any sort of like you know dire straits. You know, we support our family. We've got a great home, whatever. All of that, everything's fine. But it's just like. Every now and then, right those those thoughts of oh man, that's a real secure, stable job with a great salary. It's a company that I would love to work at. And yesterday was the deadline to submit a uh, to to submit your uh, your application. I didn't do it. Uh, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Every time I just mold back and forth. I'm just like, no, this is where I want to be. This is this you know this is what I worked for for all these years, and now I've got it. So it is a different layer of worry, but it's also kind of like you really find out who you are. Um, when you know what i'm saying when you when you get into entrepreneurship and business ownership changes the game um, in a big way so one of the things i'm curious about from you is if you have a, a regular routine lots of people have morning routines daily routines um i do uh, i i do the same you know i do some scripture reading i balance my budget you know i shower i do basically the same things every day and that that keeps me going um what about you do you have anything like that that sort of keeps you going I do.
1: So, you know, th- now a caveat is that this depends on whether we're in summer hours or we're in, you know, the rest of the year because yeah. kids at in school, you know, that that changes a little sure. bit. Sure, uh, But I, I would say generally I wake up in the morning, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, go through the hygiene routine. Uh, and then I typically have breakfast uh, with my kids, you know, my kids and my wife at home. Uh, I have a home office, so I have the the amazing privilege of not having to commute anywhere. Uh, so that gives me a little bit more time to sleep, you know, before out, when I was working in corporate America, you know, I was 45 minutes away from work and then I needed another 30 to 45 minutes to get ready. Uh, so all, all said and done, I've recovered about an hour and a half of my time in the morning back, uh, and in the evening. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's the the the, norm, the typical morning stuff, but having breakfast with my kids and my wife, um, you know, reading scripture. And then I, I, then I go upstairs into my office. I say goodbye to the kids. My wife is usually in charge of drop-offs, um, in the morning, unless, you know, she's pregnant. So, you know, when things don't, don't go according to plan in the morning, I'm happy to step in as well. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, but then when I, as a financial advisor, when I come into the office, right. I also have my little routine of things that I want to do. You know, I check my personal and business emails. Uh, I look at, you know, the business and personal bank accounts. I also look at, uh, a couple of different news sources to, you know, get to a good understanding of what's happening around the world, what's happening in the economy. What's kind of driving some of the early market movements on uh, that particular day. And I also look at, you know, different community sources, forums, you know, groups that I'm a part of just to see, hey, you know, is there anything interesting here that I should look at first thing? Um, You know, that probably takes me uh, around 45 minutes to an hour, that whole routine in the morning. So my first hour really is focused on kids, food, scripture and updates uh, about the world.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, of course, there's going to be exceptions, but I'm curious on this because it's something I'm thinking about a lot. I mean, do you? Do you work a pretty standard eight hour day, right? Even near the home office or do you, you know, is it variable for you? How does that, how does that look? I would say
1: generally generally I separate, I, or not separate. I set aside, uh, you know, my, you know, eight to eight to five as the core hours that I'm working, uh, I usually of course like to be available for my clients or market hours, because if there's something that comes up you know, maybe there's a transaction that needs to be placed, you know, they have an urgent need for cash or something that needs to happen with their investments. I want to be available to my clients, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm always chained to my desk. It's one of the beautiful things about working remotely is that you no longer have that sort of monolithic structure of, you know, you go, you sit in a desk, you spend all day and then you go home. Uh, So sometimes during the day, you know, that means working a couple hours in the morning, like having lunch with my wife and my youngest daughter, who's not yet in school. Um, and then, you know, we usually go for a family walk, you know, all the while I'm still available, you know, my phone is still on me, you know, ringer's on, so if somebody calls me or texts me, I'm available. Uh, but I'm doing other things throughout the day. You know, maybe my wife needs to go to an appointment and I stay with the kids or, you know, what have you. So I have a lot of flexibility built into my day because that was one of the main drivers of me starting my own business. I wanted to gain control of my schedule. And that's one of the ways that I exercise that freedom.
0: hundred percent. Yeah. I feel that, you know, for, for me, part of the issue was, um, I, you know, I have to, I have to intend be intentional about stopping, right. Or else I'll just keep going because I, because I do enjoy it, you know, and, uh, for the first probably year and a half that I did this full time, when I left my job, um, it was kind of like, yeah, um, was, I was working a lot, right. All the time, just, just because new business. I mean, new in the sense of, you know, doing it full time. I did it on the side for a while and it took a while to get to that point. And and, and the funny thing now is now I'm I'm finally to a point where um, I'm about where I should be. Like my days aren't stuffed. I've got stuff to do every day, but my days aren't stuffed. There's a little flexibility in there and it's like it finally feels like I can breathe a little. So uh, that's a nice place to be in. Uh, but it does take a while to get there some, sometimes.
1: Uh, Steve, you, before we go yeah. on to the next topic, I do think that this is very important for people who are thinking of, or currently managing a business. Cause I, I think you said, you said uh, you gave a very interesting nugget there that I don't want to blow over. Uh, I right. talked about that initial period of time where you felt like you needed to put in extra work to become established. And I, I kind of called out the burn in period, you know, it's that period where you're just building the infrastructure of a business, creating the lead flow. You know, creating the revenue that's going to sustain the business growth over time. And I think it's really important for people to understand that yes, you will put way more work than you did as an employee, but in exchange down the road, if you do things right and you implement the right systems in your business, you'll get more freedom than you ever had as an employee. But there's gotta be that investment. Like, you know, being an entrepreneur and taking the risk is not free. You do have to pay the dues to be able to establish yourself and have that level of control later on. So I appreciate that you mentioned that because that's exactly what happened to me in the beginning. In the first 90 90 days, you know, the first three to three, four, five months of this business, I was working literally 80 hours a week. I was working, I I was stopping for lunch, for dinner, and I was waking up at seven and going to bed at 11. And every time in between meals, I was working but that's unsustainable that's not going to be there forever right, right. Uh, it's only going to be for a period of time until your business is strong enough to then give you that flexibility the problem is that some people never get off that burnout train and then eventually right. you know you know what happens people fail because you you lose the energy and the drive to keep pushing so i think it's helpful to keep that balance and it's really yeah. important to know that it will come but it won't be forever hopefully
0: yeah 100% yeah it shouldn't be forever if it is then then probably something is is wrong or either i don't know uh you know I, I was contrasting that company that i almost applied for the you know for the job with it's funny because they have a policy of, of working basically a maximum of 40 hours a week and elon musk is in the news again for an email that he sent out where he wants every tesla employee to work a minimum of 40 hours a week and uh and in the office right no remote no remote stuff and um Anyway, I just I just found it interesting. It was a it was a uh, it was a it was a funny moment because literally the company that I was thinking about applying for I mean they literally wrote the book on remote working way before it was cool and so anyway I, it, all those things coming together I just think it's um I think I think it's fun so my next question would be. What is your favorite thing about this? About about running a business. Sure, it can be hard, but like it's awesome. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. If I was a prophet, I would say that your answer is the freedom of flexibility. But I don't want to steal your thunder totally here. So, what would well, you say is your favorite thing about it?
1: Funny enough, that's the one that I talk about the most. But that is not necessarily my number one. Uh, my number one favorite thing is the autonomy to make decisions that are in the best interest of my clients, without having the limitations of. You know, competing interests, right? So when you're working at a at a at somebody else's business, your first and foremost priority is to serve the owners of that company. And of course, you know, there's a prof- a level of professional ethics and professional responsibility where you know, of course, you always take care of your clients. But more often than not, you're going to find yourself in these crucibles of, you know, the client needs X, but my business wants Y, not my personal business. My corporate job wants Y. Right. And the, the beautiful thing about being a business owner is that I have full autonomy to make decisions and I never feel like I have this crucible between the interest of the one who pays me and the interest of the one who I serve. In this context, (laughs) they're one and the same, my client pays me. So I don't have a contradiction when I have to make a decision or when I need to make a potentially a, a, a monetary decision, a, a, a financially impactful decision, um, I don't, I don't have to compete, uh, with the interests of someone else. So I love that. So that level of autonomy also comes with a certain level of responsibility because I have a and that I need to run. I need to make sure that I actually have a profitable business. I cannot be making decisions that could put in jeopardy the entire operation. But that autonomy is priceless. I don't think I could ever give that up. Wow! <laughs> I hope I never. That have.
0: That is huge. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a hundred percent huge. That's that is a great point, and probably the best answer I've ever gotten to that question. I think so. That's <laughs> man, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. Cause and and so for me, it's a little different because what I, you know, the 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 job that I left, what I came out of, is so much different from what I do. Um, that. I didn't have to face that but yeah if you're a professional and you're going to do the same thing whether you're doing it for yourself or you work for somebody else yeah there definitely is at some point there's going to be that conflict and to totally just erase that um in it, by running a business of your own is fantastic man leo this has been a fantastic interview i i absolutely love talking to you i love that we're actually we mentioned we're pretty close like we're only about probably 15 or 20 minutes away from each other which is really sweet um So we'll we'll have to connect up sometime because that's just too good of an opportunity. So I have one more question for you. Before that, I would love for you to just tell us, you know, where can we find you? You know, how can we do business with you uh, online? And and how do we get in touch with you?
1: Well, I think the best way to get started and, you know, connecting with the work that I'm doing is by uh, looking at a, a free online course that I've created for Christians who want to get started with getting their finances in order. Um, it's just a Christian financial plan, quick start it's, you know, it's a series of videos that walk you through some of the fundamentals and the basics of, of the key pillars or pieces that you need to integrate into a plan. And then for people that are interested in going deeper than that free course, then I've developed a masterclass that helps, you know, helps guide you through. With a lot more depth, um, you know, the steps to create the financial plan that you need for your family. You know, so for people that are familiar with, you know, for example, Financial Peace University, you mentioned earlier about how, you know, you agree with some things and you've kind of evolved in other ways, you know, and what I found is that, you know, Financial Peace University is great to set that foundation and start changing those habits that are really key to long-term success. Uh, But then after you complete a course like that, you lack the know-how on what to do next and how to actually execute a lot of the recommendations that you learn there. And that's what this course is designed to be. This course is designed to give you, you know, top to bottom understanding of what you need to do and then how to go about actually getting it done. Um, so that masterclass is, you know, is the, the product of, um, you know, years of content development, uh, of interviews or of people that I've talked to and, and develop a curriculum that I feel really checks all those boxes. Um, and bo- and the links to both are going to be available with the episode. We'll provide that for you so that uh, everyone in the audience can very easily go and click and, and see the content. Um, and then for those Christians that are now at a point in their life where, you know, they've either achieved a certain level of income in their careers or, you know, close to retirement, they're looking for help to figure out how to manage their money uh, so that it, it meshes well with their value system, but also, you know, last them for as long as it can, so they can survive yeah. their retirement years. You know, then we also have an advisory service where I walk with clients and families in a, in a deep, you know, intimate relationship where we go through all these things together and we help you create a strategy to grow and to transfer those assets to the next generation. Uh, so that's very easy to, to sort of navigate, you know, again, we'll provide the links to the 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 quick start, which is a free course the master class, And also in my website, onlineadvisors.com there's information about my advisory services and steps to get connected with me and and have a consultation and have a conversation about this.
0: Fantastic. Awesome. Very good. Well, I'm looking forward to being able to share those with everybody. Uh, check out the description and we'll have it all there for you. Um, all right. My last question, my friend, and that would just be, uh, what's your favorite Bible verse? Or or if not a verse, a book or passage, or just something that helps you from the Bible every day?
1: You know, that's a very difficult uh thing to answer. It's like what's it, it's like the same question as what's your favorite food? I like too many things. Uh yeah. you know, so yeah. it's hard yeah. to answer, but but if I had to if I had to select one that I think most closely connects with the with our conversation here is John 10 10. And John 10 10. Uh, you know, is a, is a, just, it's a statement that Jesus gives uh, to the people that he's teaching and differentiating himself and his mission from the mission of the thief and in this case, you know, the devil, right? The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill and destroy. So that's what he does. What I came to do is to give life, but most importantly life that is more abundant. And that's actually the name of my business, Abundant Advisors. I name my business on this principle that my job is to help people have a more abundant life with their money. And sadly, even though many, many Americans identify as believers, there are very few firms that are actually aimed at serving Christians and aimed at projecting that value system into the money. Um, And that's, where i felt like god was calling me to go so it was natural for me to name you know the, the company abundant advisors because that was my inspiration to get started
0: i love it that's fantastic so cool um yeah what a great verse and what a great tr- truth again probably one of the best answers i've had to that question all right leo man i appreciate it it's been absolutely fantastic and uh, i hope that um uh, yeah, people will listen to this and be able to engage with some of these resources that you've created. It sounds like you're doing a great job for the kingdom. So we certainly appreciate you. And uh, thanks for your time today.
1: Steve, thanks for having me.